Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host and Thursday Night Football just wrapped up. Chiefs, Texans, Chiefs took home the victory 34-20, easily covered that nine and a half point spread and Got that over for some people that managed to get it at 53 and a half. Fun, fun game, getting back to action. Just want to quickly uh, do a solo pod here. Going to go over some fancy takeaways from the action, uh, what to kind of expect moving forward, and then at the end, go over some of the injuries to look out for before this weekend's main slate. So thank you again for tuning in to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Ian Harditz, and everyone, I am just so pumped football is back. That was such a fun game. Uh, one of the big takeaways to me was just the reality that, you know, no preseason, we kind of wonder what would happen. Would the defenses maybe be causing a lot of problems early? And the answer is pretty much no, at least not with uh, two offenses run by, you know, two of the best quarterbacks in the entire league. So, real fun game. I mean, both teams came out looking good. Texans struck first with a nifty David Johnson touchdown run. We'll talk more about him a little bit later, but truly, I mean, I kind of joked before the game about maybe him you know getting back to looking like 2016 David Johnson but he truly did it was surprising uh you know a guy that hasn't broken a lot of tackles over the past two years even when he has been healthy really was showing more shiftness than we've seen in a minute but you know ultimately Mahomes just kept marching him down the field we didn't get the uh you know, typical diet of Chiefs, just massive explosive plays. But, you know, credit to Mahomes for just consistently hitting mostly, you know, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins underneath. Claude Edwards Hilaire was a complete terror in the run game. That obviously helped. But 17-17 lead going into half. Uh, you know, nifty 27-yard touchdown run by CEH to put them up 24-7. Had a Watson pick after Honey Badger got to him as he was throwing. It was pretty much a route from that point, as Watson tends to do. You know, when he is faced with these very few guards, garbage time opportunities he uh, you know gets back to putting up numbers but this game was over by the kind of beginning point of the fourth quarter so you know going through the offense real quick I mean Mahomes what more can you say about the guy 24 for 32 211 yards three touchdowns no interceptions I mean he had two touchdowns dropped by Demarcus Robinson early in the game and you know the second one in particular where he was rolling out to his left and throwing across his body still managed to hit him right between the numbers would have been uh, you know replayed in the perpetuity by some of these uh, media outlets out there. But he came back. He had Kelsey for a score in the next play. I mean, again, he was just taking what was there. And it's that's the scariest thing about Mahomes. I mean, you see some of these... Uh, you know, stats we have about like tight window passers and Mahomes doesn't even really rank that highly in the most aggressive quarterbacks in the league because he is so willing and, you know, able to take that check down that's usually schemed open for him in that great offense he's in. So, you know, he is the perfect mix of he can make any throw on the field, but he's also not afraid of taking what's there. And that's what he did so well tonight. Clyde Ebersolaire running really well, you know, really backed up all of us that were out there saying this guy deserves to be treated as a top, you know, six, seven running back in fantasy 25 carries 138 yards and a touchdown and then in receiving actually didn't have a catch only two targets and that was like the part we were most excited about Clyde Ebersolaire coming out was you know all the great things he did at LSU as a receiver but it's fine. The touchdowns are going to come even more in the fantasy points as well. And he's going to catch more passes this season. And the important thing is that Claude Ebersolaire played 66% of the offensive snaps. Darrell Williams down there at 34%. I mean, Clyde must have gotten stuff from the one-yard line about five times. And, you know, it's hard for uh, fantasy managers to complain about the numbers he put up. But really could have been so much more. They were giving him plenty of chances around the goal line. It wasn't like he had a lane and was just getting stuffed again and again. I mean, I don't 
foresee Andy Reid and the Chiefs, you know, removing him from goal line situations because of tonight. I mean, he was still, he was giving his effort, you know, 100% effort, obviously. It was just nothing there because of uh, J.J. Watt and company. So more big games to come from Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I mean, he needs to be treated as a top five uh, weekly RB moving forward. Darrell Williams, he was in and out, you know, kind of throughout the game on third downs early. Looked like he might have a role, but ultimately, you know, seven carries, 23 yards, and then two receptions on two targets. He, he might flirt with double-digit touch but again, he's going to need an injury to Clyde Ebersolaire. And even then, I don't know that they would just turn this backfield over to Daryl Williams. Uh, Tyreek Hill, you know, he was pretty quiet in the first half, only one target, but then they really went back to him more in the second half. He ended up catching uh, five balls, 46 yards, and a score. The touchdown was pretty. I mean, just completely beat his guy the other side of the end zone, then made a nice semi-contested catch. I mean, Texans were doing a lot to take him away. And again, there weren't those kind of uh, uh, big explosive plays we've come to expect from the Chiefs offense. So wasn't a Tyreek game, but, you know, 5-46-1, you'll still take that as a quote-unquote down week uh, for one of the most explosive players in the league. You know, need to go back to Tyreek as a top-five option. He's always got that week-winning juice in him. Sammy Watkins, just week-one superstar. I mean, I used to call it the Kevin Ogletree Award, the old Cowboys receiver that turned in 100-plus yards, two touchdowns, and then did nothing the rest of the season. But Sammy Watkins probably deserves it after these last two years. He caught seven of nine targets for 82 yards and a score. One of the other targets Gets, honestly probably could have been a touchdown if Mahomes had put it on him better around the goal line but he played really well I mean he was breaking some tackles after the catch again most of these were short so you know I don't think we'll see him getting nine targets uh, in weeks where Mahomes is going to be taking more chances downfield but you know credit to Sammy for playing well he uh, almost had a touchdown on a short pass from inside the 10 where he was just short and they went back to him with that real quick screen on the outside. I see the Saints do it with Michael Thomas all the time. He kind of just powered his way in there. So, you know, Sammy's been awesome in the playoffs uh, throughout kind of the last two years with the Chiefs, even with the uh, sporadic regular season. We know he's got the ceiling. You know, 2020's already been a crazy year. Maybe this is the time Watkins uh, puts it together for uh, 16 games. I'm still going to approach him with caution, but we're going to have to really start considering him as a weekly uh, flex option. Just anyone this Chiefs offense. The more concerning part for fantasy investors was the rotation between Demarcus Robinson and Miko Hardman. So Tyreek was out there 87% snaps, Sammy 79%, Demarcus Robinson 47%, Miko only 28%. I mean, the graphic at the beginning of the game actually pointed out Miko being the starter. I, for one, got very excited, but ultimately uh, Robinson was out there a little bit more, a little bit more involved. Robinson had six targets, Miko only had one. I mean, they're using them with some funky motion but ultimately it was Robinson. He dropped two touchdowns and, you know, didn't get benched though, came back out. Look, it's tough with Miko Hardman and, you know, people are going to want to bench him after seeing this and seeing the snaps and not even bench him, just straight up release him and fancy. If you have a super tough decision and a bunch of studs out there, Miko truly is the weakest link. Okay, but, you know, I just will caution people. Don't be afraid to just keep the guys with the super high upside and great outcomes available in case that happens. I mean, look, he might be the only true wide receiver handcuff in the league because if anything happens to any of Tyreek, Sammy Watkins, or Demarcus Robinson, all of a sudden Miko has that starting role that he can't get right now. It's disappointing he wasn't able to win it out of the gate, but, you know, he's going to have have better weeks than this and again the potential for huge weeks is there so I would you know not freak out too much over this week it's not what we wanted to see but you know we've always known Miko might have this rough path to the top if you're able to you know keep him on that bench because the second one of these guys get hurt he is going to be a consensus top waiver ad of the week uh, Travis Kelsey looked fantastic six catches uh, all six targets 50 yards and a score 
you know, I've been throwing out the stat kind of throughout the offseason. He's only 144 days younger than Rob Gronkowski. But, you know, it's never been a concern because of what a Patrick Mahomes offense is going to do for the floor of even an aging tight end. I mean, think about kind of how Romo got Witten for all those years. And, you know, even once the athleticism is sapped a little bit, the guy's going to be just fine. But honestly, I mean, that's, that shouldn't even be a discussion because Kelsey looked awesome out there. He was breaking tackles, uh, did not see a drop off. He looked better than ever. So, you know, credit to him. I've got George Kittle as a tight end one this season, but, you know, a performance like that uh, certainly isn't making that look all too sharp right now. Moving on to the Texans. Deshaun Watson, again, got a lot of his kind of production in the garbage t- in garbage time. Ended up throwing for 253 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Took those four sacks, and that's the thing. You know, don't be afraid to play uh, defenses against the Texans. They're going to put up points at one point or another, but Watson does take a lot of the sacks. Shouldn't necessarily be overly pinged for it. I mean, he creates so many plays, and he avoids a ton of sacks, too, as he did uh, tonight, but you know, just never really quite uh, got going. Didn't see a ton of explosive plays from really either side. I guess we had, you know, the 19 yard David Johnson touchdown, which was great, and the Clyde Edwards Hilaire 27 yard touchdown rush. But other than that, a Will Fuller 31 yard catch was the longest play uh, from either team through the passing game. So, uh, you know, it was one of these games where Deshaun Watson, he didn't have a ton of open guys he was missing or anything, but he just didn't quite make those huge plays that we came to expect. So it was just one week. It's not an er- er- easy early season start uh, for the Texans. I guess that's your kind of one concern. But again, he he ran for a touchdown as well. Uh, it was a total yards on that. Yeah, six carries, 27 yards, and a touchdown down on the ground. I mean, they got the Ravens next week, the Steelers the week after that, and then Vikings before things settle down with the Jaguars, Titans, and Packers. So, you know, not a great stretch for Watson and these guys to put up a ton of points, but, you know, we do see great quarterbacks continue to put up production even when they have these rough games like that, and that's exactly what Watson did. Uh, David Johnson, really the story of the day for uh, the Houston offense. 11 carries, 77 yards, and a score. Seemed like it'd be a lot more than that if, uh, you know, they had enough face such bad game script, but also caught three or four targets for 32 yards, and he looked great. And I mentioned before, hasn't been this guy, you know, standing out in elusive rating. He was better than, you know, that one run that everyone circulated through social media suggested last year, particularly early in the season. But, you know, he still just, he wasn't great in elusive rating or these uh, broken tackle metrics. He was getting a lot of his production with the Cardinals just based on target volume alone. And to see him go out there, you know, look very, very shifty, very big, very athletic. I mean, it was true throwback too some of his better days so you know great for David Johnson being healthy and it looks like uh, Bill O'Brien's gonna feed him all he can handle I mean look he played 80% of the offensive snaps Duke Johnson was at 25% and that was even with him leaving early with a leg injury so hopefully that's not severe and we will see him out there but it still looks like it's going to be, you know, a 70 to 80 percent David Johnson to a Duke Johnson snap split. Now, the good news was they were using a good amount of two RB formations early in the game. They started to get away from it a little bit. We didn't see a ton of wide receiver uh, snaps from them throughout the game, but they're clearly looking into doing that at a minimum. Uh, remain optimistic that Duke can get a little bit involved, but yeah, the touches aren't going to be there on a weekly basis. This is David Johnson's backfield. Uh, will Fuller uh, dropped his first pass of the game on a well-thrown back shoulder. Came back and just had himself a really uh, great game. Eight catches on 10 targets for 112 yards, no scores. On the 31-yard score, if uh, Watson had put the ball out in front of him a little better, it probably would have been a touchdown. I mean, he was wide open after a nice little uh, pick on the play design, but he's their number one receiver, and, you know, no one else on the Texans even had five targets, so we really really did see Watson, you know, go to a familiar guy, feed him, and Fuller is not just this guy that lives and dies on these 
deep, uh, you know, field stretching bombs. I mean, he was working the defense in the middle, uh, intermediate area of the field. Uh, looked like a different guy out there, truly, just aesthetically as well. I mean, he shaved off his dreads and he looked bigger. And, you know, we did hear about offseason reports that Fuller had put on a little weight. So, hey, you know, hopefully that all worked and he can have the injuries behind him because as we saw tonight, I mean, he truly can be that wide receiver uh, one for both the Texans and fantasy. So, fantasy investors, again, keep firing this guy up. Do not sit Will Fuller as long as he is healthy. These are the weeks we need the cash before, you know, fingers crossed. I'm knocking on wood right now, but, you know, I won't even say it, but you know what the risk is with Fuller. Uh, Brandon Cooks, they were limiting his snaps a little bit compared to Fuller, but he was out there a good amount in the game. Ultimately, though, two catches uh, on four targets. And you look at the uh, rest of the kind of Texan snap splits. So we had Fuller at 84%. Cobb was at 77%. Cooks was at 55%. Kenny Stills was at 39%. Um, even DeAndre Carter pitched in for 18%. And look, it, it was just a Will Fuller show. I mean, none of these other guys even managed to clear 35 yards. Cobb didn't even have a catch until super late in the fourth quarter. Kenny Stills dropped both of his only targets. So disappointing days from uh, the rest of the Texans wide receivers, particularly Cobb. I mean, when you give the guy $18 million and can't even find him a target until halfway late into the fourth quarter, uh, you know, just wasn't exactly what uh, some people wanted to see, you know, when you're using the late round pick on the guy. I mean, I just think the takeaway here is Will Fuller is the, you know, true undisputed wide receiver one in this offense. Uh, The tight ends continue to split reps uh, pretty evenly. I mean, they use a lot more two tight end formations in Houston than I think people give him credit for. And we saw them kind of still do that tonight despite the wide receivers. Aikens played 80% of the offensive snaps and Darren Fells was down at 40%. So it was less than last year. I mean, these guys were both literally regularly clearing 50% in 2019. But to see uh, Aikens kind of take over from Fells was good to see. Uh, Fells finished with 19 yards and asked someone that bet his under on 21 and a half yards. That was uh, very good to see. And Aikens uh, 39 yards and a score. His touchdown probably shouldn't have counted because there was a false start but they didn't call it so you know good good on him so that was the game 34 20 chiefs uh real quick um no nullified touchdowns again fuller and Watkins near the goal line were guys with better ball opportunities where with a better pass they could have scored uh, demarcus robinson dropped two touchdowns uh and, and as for our just short guys clyde edwards hilaire was stuffed three at least times from the one-yard line. Um, Sam was just short, then he scored, and then DeAndre Carter was also just held outside uh, the end zone. I try to keep track of those uh, four categories while I watch all these games. Nullified touchdowns, better ball touchdowns, drop touchdowns, and just short. I mean, PFF has some really cool tools that can help you gather those, but, you know, just the more behind-the-box score things we can keep track of, the better. I'll send out a tweet at the end of every week with the leaders in those things. So that was the game. Fun times. Uh, again, we have Texans, Ravens next week. That could be another potentially high-scoring game. And as for the Chiefs, they're going to go out and play the Chargers So with uh, Ty God Taylor. And we'll see uh, We'll see if those Chargers, uh, you know, investments in the defense can help keep them in the game. But that should be, you know, another game where we see the Chiefs favored by well more than a touchdown. All right, everyone. I just want to go and touch on some injuries now to keep an eye on throughout this week. Uh, you know, the NFL they're going to release the final injury reports uh, Friday between usually 1 p.m. and 5 p.m. Eastern time, but 
people aren't going to be ruled out until Sunday. And, you know, just make sure you have some insurance in mind if one, one of these guys is playing on Sunday night, Monday night, or Sunday at four because there's nothing worse than, you know, a guy we think is going to play getting ruled out an hour before the game, don't have a backup plan. So without further ado, injuries to keep an eye on entering week one. Mike Evans' hamstring injury, not looking good, everyone. Back-to-back DMPs to start the week. I mean, he plays at four on Sunday, which sucks. And Bruce Arians said the Bucks will – Take it to the wire. I've dropped him really far in the ranks. I have now wide receiver 33, one spot behind T.Y. Hilton, one spot ahead of Michael Gallup. You know, Mike Evans is pretty scary to bench the guy when he's out there, but I was already downgrading him a little bit because of this shadow matchup against Marshawn Lattimore. I mean, literally got goose-egged against him last year. I know in 2018, Evans hung 147 in a touchdown on Lattimore and shadow covers. The, the battle's gone back and forth, but it's not an easy matchup. And with him banged up uh, with limited snaps, you know, in a strong possibility seemingly i am you know would suggest not to play mike evans if you have you know a similar top 25 ish wide receiver you're trying to pick from uh dave montgomery with his groin injury is upgraded to full in thursday's practice he seems ready to go and, and you know it didn't seem like a given but you know the bears really not going out and signing any of these running backs uh during these last few weeks i guess should have tipped us off as i would still expect more of a smaller snap count am i uh, taking stock of the every backfield article um i believe i said Tariq Cohen, 45% snaps, and then Montgomery around 35%, and then Cordero Patterson, 25%. I think when Montgomery is fully healthy, we'll see Patterson, unfortunately, take a, a bigger backseat in the offense. But Montgomery this week at a minimum, I mean, I wouldn't confidently start him by any stretch of the imagination. Really think limited reps and or, you know, just general ineffectiveness is a possibility coming back from this injury. Miles Sanders uh, with his hamstring has been limited in back-to-back practices to start the week. Would be nice to see him get in a full one on Friday. No setback, though. I mean, it seems like he's going to go out there and you know even though Peterson has said he'd be open to limiting his reps you know I would be surprised if Sanders finishes with fewer than a 60% snaps I would be kind of fading him in DFS though would not be going to him in cash that Washington D line as we've talked about in the podcast this week uh, low key full of monsters and you know I think there's some reasonable pivots there particularly uh, Mr. Kenyon Drake for just $100 more on DraftKings Jalen Rager with the shoulder injury got back to a full participant on Thursday so he might be able to play and you know what that's not scaring me off of Deshaun Jackson. I think if anything, it's going to help in DFS and uh, lower that uh, potential ownership. I am still firing up D-Jax in this revenge game. Jalen Rager, like these other guys, you know, I am concerned about the limited snaps. And just with everyone with these injuries, I mean, we can't just assume they're going to be thrown out there without having preseason. You know, it would not be surprising at all to see teams take it more cautious than ever. So, you know, it's I think it impacts the other players in their offense a little bit. But more than anything, if these guys play and they're just almost – distractions on the field uh, are meant to at least be that, then it really could just help impact um, the other guys we were looking to start. Uh, Brandon Ayuk with a hamstring injury. He did not practice on Wednesday. He got in a limited session on Thursday. Meanwhile, Debo Samuel back-to-back DMPs to start the week. It's, you know, I like the Jimmy G, Kittle, McKinnon stack. Maybe throw Kendrick Bourne in there. I am not going to either Debo or Ayuk until we have some sort of certainty on their health and snap counts. Um, Cortland Sutton, sprained AC joint. Word from Schefter is that reportedly we will see how things go from here so really no word but apparently you know it's not this brutal injury that could have potentially landed him on ir i hope so i'm not a doctor but from what i understood it's not super severe so keep an eye on Corlin sutton that friday practice participation and game status should tell us a lot 
Kenny Galladay, midweek hamstring injury. Not good. He hurt it at practice. I already dropped him down. I was really high on him this week, wide receiver five, but he's down the wide receiver 12 for me behind Robert Woods, one spot ahead of DJ Moore. You know, Patricia really talked it down, but it's if he's not practicing again on Friday, he's going to start flirting with the lower uh, part, maybe a borderline wide receiver two for me. I mean, look, Galladay's awesome when healthy, but again, uh, these hamstring injuries, they're popping up everywhere, and we don't want to mess with them. Uh, Mike Williams with his shoulder injury, limited in practice uh, throughout the week. Anthony Lynn, uh, the Chargers coach, said he'd likely be a game-time decision. We've seen them use pitch counts with Mike Williams before. We've seen him get hurt before. I, I can't put a number behind this, but I feel like that guy makes so many catches where he just can't even brace himself. He They're spectacular down the field, you know, contested divers, so fair play to him for making it, but man, I wish he could stay a little bit healthier some of these times. Um, Davina Zigbo, Jaguars running back, has been placed on the injured reserve due to a hamstring injury. They have assigned uh, Dari Ogubuwale, excuse me, Buccaneers ex-scat back, so, you know, maybe he steals something from Chris Thompson, but looking more and more like just Chris Thompson and James Robinson, and, you know, I've been... Uh, skeptical to say the least that any of these kind of backs behind Fournette left over in the Jaguars backfield can provide anything but you know with a Zigbo now hurt and Ryquel Armstead now hurt you know got to adjust a little bit it's no longer three backs vying for the early down roll it's now just James Robinson so you know if he's still on your waivers don't be afraid to scoop him up he, he's looking at potential for 15 plus touches in week one all the same concerns about you know Fournette's you know, Jaguars 4.5 win total, just general efficiency, no targets. They still apply to Robinson, but there's not many guys on the waiver wire that you can, you know, potentially pencil in for 15 plus touches per week. As long as these guys don't stay healthy, it's on the table. Devontae Parker with a hamstring injury limited in back-to-back practices. Uh, Preston Williams with the knee is also limited. Sounds like these guys are going to play, but, you know, if it's a tiebreaker, I would start whoever the other guy is not Preston. I'm sorry, not uh, Devontae. Worry about the Stephon Gilmore matchup. And look, I fully realize Parker won a big way week 17, but still not a guy you should want to mess with. Uh, Daryl Henderson with a hamstring is practicing in full. McVay's optimistic he'll play. Says he wants and plans to use a three-RB committee. We'll see. I think Malcolm Brown starts, but I really do think Cam Akers has a good chance to take this backfield over sooner rather than later. And last one, keep an eye on this Colts offensive line because Quentin Nelson was out Thursday with a back issue. Their left tackle, Anthony Costanzo, um, oblique, he was limited. And Ryan Kelly with a knee has been limited. I mean, it's a smash spot of all smash spots against the Jaguars. And I know a lot of people are planning on using Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor, accepting the potential limited volume because of how good of a matchup it is. You know, PFS number one offensive line right here. It, it, it could be a problem if, you know, all three of those guys all are out, all three great players. So pay attention to that. So that's going to do it. Thank you all for listening. This has been the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Going to be doing these recaps after Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night, in addition to our usual Wednesday and Thursday pods throughout the week. So I'm Ian Harditz. Thank you, everyone. Have a good night.